Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rink Talk. I'm Robert McClemon. Today I will be speaking with Mia Foyer. She is an artist and sculptor based in Oakland, California, and we will be discussing her amazing large-scale art installations that are inspired by backyard rinks. And I will also be speaking with Shelley Jackson. She is a graphic artist in Gray County, Ontario, and she'll be talking about how her backyard rink helps her manage a busy family and a career. Stay tuned. podcast that was some music composed especially for us by keenan reimer watts and performed by keenan by clarissa webb and ryan dougal my first interview today is with mia foyer she is an artist a sculptor a professor a parent and the creator of the most amazing sculptures you've ever seen including the one that is the cover art for today's episode she is originally from winnipeg manitoba but i reached her via skype earlier this year in oakland california hi mia hello there was this installation that you did in a public park in Montreal called The Decline of Outdoor Skatability. Could you describe that installation to us? Sure. Well, first of all, I was asked by the curator, her name is Cassia Basta, if I would participate in this exhibition that explored concepts around Canadian identity and Canadian territory. So I was thinking... You know, and, and she wanted me to install something outside. And I was thinking, what can I do? You know, and I, I've always been, well, I learned about the Rink Watch project in 2013. And I've been really fascinated by that work. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, how could I somehow incorporate their data into, you know, into a physical piece? So Rinkwatch provided me with this graph and the bottom was Toronto and it was started in the year 2013, 90 years into the future. The second row was Montreal, the third row was Calgary and the top was Winnipeg. And you can really see these four lines on the graph really, um, really sort of uh, descending down downwards. Like there was a, a drop in the number of days that would be available to skate on in 90 years. How do you take, you know, a two-dimensional graph on paper and make it something that people walking through the park can connect with? So I decided that I was going to interpret each city in four different, because it was four cities, to interpret each line on the graph, each line being a city, in four different materials. Um, and I installed the piece in between two trees. So the two trees sort of acted as the, like physical framework of the graph itself on the edges of the paper. And so in between these two tree, trees, um, the bottom the bottom material was all hockey sticks that I had sourced uh, 
locally from the Montreal area. Um, in fact, the Canadians even donated a whole bunch of brand new gorgeous sticks that I couldn't, I couldn't even use because I didn't want to cut them up. You know, I, I needed to cut the sticks up and, and sort of build with them like bricks and these beautiful sticks I wanted to just keep aside. So hopefully they can be donated to a, you know, kids hockey club or something. Um, and then the second row was all automotive taillights. Um, really, uh, I, I actually had, um, gone to a scrapyard and I pried them off of a bunch of old cars and I used them as this kind of like really, they, they almost, uh, the, the red plastic, of the automotive tail lights really caught the sun in this really beautiful way. And they really kind of, um, just were very, very visually like, like hot, hot sparkling rubies or something. They were really visually dynamic. The third row was all, um, branches and twigs and bark densely packed in that were sourced locally from Montreal. And then the fourth row, the very top of the piece was all hockey skates, blades of all different kinds of hockey skates and figure skates that I actually had cast. Um, I took molds of them and I cast them in uh, translucent resin of shades of red and orange. And it caught the light again in this really beautiful way that I felt visually sort of played, played with, the, uh, with the automotive taillights. I wanted it to reference geological strata. Um, when you think of the layers of the earth, when you think about you know, materials being extracted from the earth in order to fuel cars, in order to make plastic, you know, in order to do a million things that, that, that we re rely on every day. Um, I wanted the piece, even though it referenced the, the, the graph, I also looked at it as, you know, this sort of imaginary sort of uh, cross section of geological strata and the layers, you know, being hockey sticks, automotive taillights, branches, and these cast hockey and figure skate blades, they weren't necessarily meant to literally represent each city. Toronto wasn't represented literally by hockey sticks. You know, I mean, I, I wanted to use materials that could be relatable um, with, with sort of any city in Canada, and what was the reaction to your installation when people walked by? I mean, uh, you know, were they, did they get it right away? How, how do people approach something like this when they stumble upon it in a public park? There wasn't a didactic like installed nearby. So when viewers stumble upon the piece, unless they went inside into the gallery and, you know, got the literature and really read up on it, and even the literature that was written up by the curator, uh, it was pretty brief. It doesn't really get into the nitty gritty of the piece. Um, so I, I would suspect that most people probably would not know that it was, you know, ha has all these like very specific research and reference points to the rink watch data. And how long was the uh, was the installation in the park? It's still up. 
And actually, they just, it was supposed to come down, I believe, in October, but they just reached out and asked me if they can keep it longer. <laughs> so it'll, I think it'll be there through the winter. Maybe it'll come down in spring. I'm not really sure, but um, it seems to be holding up really well, and they, they, they want to keep it, which is really great because I would love to see it photographed with snow. That would be cool. What's, what's the name of the park for those people who are in Montreal and want to check it out? It's called Stewart Hall. And it's in Point Claire. Now, this is not your only uh, art installation that involves rinks, is it? No. In fact, I don't think this piece would really even exist if I hadn't gone through, uh, you know, a whole bunch of of, of learning and, and and explorations and experiences creating a piece back in 2013 um, called an unkindness and. An Unkindness uh, is, a, is a large scale installation I did at the Corcoran Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Um, and it was it's a it's a big art gallery right across the street from the White House, actually. Before this installation came to be an unkindness, I'd actually been doing a bunch of research in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and I was really interested in um learning more about the tar sands and the petroleum industry. And I really wanted to go there and get a sense of the landscape firsthand. I came across a a flyer for one of the big oil companies in Canada. I would say one of the second largest. And it was for a family family barbecue. And the contact on there was this woman named Barb. And I was, I just thought, I'm just going to email Barb because I don't know any other way in. So I emailed Barb and I explained the same thing. I'm an artist and a professor in DC and I really want to come and just, you know, check it out. I'm, I'm interested in the way that the, the, the landscape is transforming the land. And my approach was very much curious artist rather than um, critical journalist or, or angry activist. And she ended up forwarding my email to her sister who also worked for the same company, who also happened to be in a Sunday morning um, art class at the community center with one of the site managers from that company. And they all read my email and they thought, oh, how wonderful. An artist wants to come. Let's invite her. And so, you know, very quickly I was on a plane and then I was on a bus, you know, at like in the middle of the night, going from Edmonton, like on a Greyhound, like straight north up to Fort Mac. I met a lot of folks. Um, I was able to give an artist talk at the at the community center. And a lot of the folks came to my artist talk who were working in the camps. And I ended up making friends with some of them. It was really profound, everything that I learned and saw while I was there following winter, I went back again to do more research. This time I was actually able to take a, an aerial flight uh, on a little bush plane over. And, and I, and I got to look down and see these like amazing, like ziggurats made of yellow sulfur. And I, you know, it was just so amazing to witness firsthand these landscapes. And then I started responding sculpturally to everything I saw. And one of my big questions was, I cannot believe how much the Canadian landscape is changing. When I started thinking about the Canadian landscape, for some reason, I couldn't not think about hockey. And I couldn't not think about hockey rinks. And I thought about my dad, 
who was a goalie his whole life. And, uh, you know, I just remember winters in Winnipeg watching him. He would, you know, the game would, the game was about to start, but my dad was always the first guy on the ice and he would do these laps by himself, just skating around, like warming up, not looking at anybody. He looked so serious and so focused and there was just something about that memory of watching my dad when I was just a little kid. I wanted to recreate that space that he was able to create in the rink at the time. I wanted to recreate that space in a rink in the museum in D.C. Um, across the street from the White House while all these, you know, these uh, while these politicians were literally across the street discussing the future of energy policy, uh, you know, including the um, the fate of the of the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, so this was back in 2013, and I was I was I was like, so I'm going to build a hockey rink, and it's going to be in the museum, and I'm going to make it out of oil. I'm not even going to make it out of ice because. Well, <laughs> for a million reasons, that wasn't going to happen. But I was able to work with this fabricator and we found this synthetic ice material and we talked to the manufacturer and we got it made in black. So the whole rink was like this black, slick, kind of oily, but beautiful material that you can really glide across with hockey skates. And I had hockey skates of every size available for viewers who came to the museum to put on, but I asked that only one person skate at a time and they can skate around in circles as long as they wanted. But I really wanted for that person to occupy the same sort of headspace and physical space that my dad did way back in the day, you know, when he was like getting ready for the game. And I just thought there was something about that, like deep sense of contemplation and focus that I wanted to kind of, um, uh, I want to like evoke in, in the new piece. Mia, as you're describing this, I can actually visualize it. It's very, it's a very easy idea to visualize, at least for someone who, you know, grew up in a hockey culture uh -huh. uh, to see what you're trying to communicate with that installation. How did, how did visitors uh, respond to it? Did they, did they put on the skates? Did they, they do it? And, and what kind of feedback do you get from that? Oh yeah. I mean, there was lines, um, to get on to get on the rank and people were really um i mean the piece was participatory right like it so so they they were in it they were they were able to really experience it in the context of a museum uh where historically usually you kind of have to stand back and not touch anything um but people you know it became performative people got into it they 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 really loved it. Plus, there was also this giant suspended mass, that um, sculptural installation that hovered above the rink. And if you go to my website, you can see pictures of it. And that was really the, sort of like this um, cacophonous sort of recreation of a reclamation site. So it was it was still very much about climate change, and it was about um, the landscape. But you sort of we're gliding around alone on this black rink and you look up and you sort of see this, this sort of twisted mess of trees and pipes and birds kind of, you know, hovering over your head. 
Um, and, and, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that you can only, there was only like a, a, when you're in the rink, you had a very specific vantage point of the piece above that you couldn't really access from around the perimeter of the rink. You really needed to get on the ice and glide back and forth to look up to really feel like you're immersed in it. That is so cool. I mean, I can't imagine being allowed, uh, you know, to climb on to artwork in other museums, but to actually strap on some skates and skate on one and use it as a viewing point or vantage point to see another installation. Like, that's totally cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. And um, I think it was one of probably one of the most important pieces I've ever made so far. Um, I mean, it just, it just, changed so much about my practice going forward from you know that piece just the way I I don't know I mean it, it was it was it was it was a really profound piece for me so what does the future hold for Mia Foyer in terms of you know artwork that involves outdoor skating or rinks or just are you done with rinks are you moving on to your next muse or <laughs> or where are you go where are you going with your artwork okay. uh, in the future yeah well um currently I, uh, well, I, well, I, I will say that I'm really excited about collaborations with scientists. That has been something that has been, uh, really, uh, exciting for me. And, um, I recently did a collaboration with a scientist that involved, he, he's a climate scientist actually, and he put a microphone beneath the Arctic ocean and we had a recording of four months of sounds coming from beneath the Arctic Ocean. And every time a glade and, and it was you it was you can hear it in both galleries at the same time, just the whoosh, whoosh sounds, you know, of, of water moving beneath the, the the ocean. But every time a glacier would calve, um this thunder would like pound through the, the speakers in the gallery and it would trigger this little mechanism uh, which we installed on an, on another sculpture of, and it would allow a little drip of dye to drip out. And so over the course of the exhibition, these sounds of glaciers calving actually triggered a, uh, you know, like sort of like a, a physical transformation of the piece. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm working on another version of that now. Uh, I'm also experimenting a bit with, um, Styrofoam, uh, a totally different project. I'm, I'm working with Dr. Wayman Wu. He's a, a geoengineer at Stanford, and he's figured out how to get um, mealworms to digest styrofoam. I guess there's something in the microbiome in the in the guts of mealworms that, that they're actually able to nibble away at styrofoam and, and digest it. So when they poop it out, it is basically organic matter that comes out. And so I'm working with him um, on a project which involves like a large scale styrofoam sculpture that will then be eaten away by worms. And that's set to be uh, shown in LA in 2018. In terms of rinks, I think I've put my, my rink work on hold for the moment, but I would revisit it in a heartbeat um, if the right opportunity came up. That sounds fantastic, Mia. And if someone wants to check out your, uh, your artwork, uh, you mentioned your website, where do they go? So my website is www.miafoyer.com, M-I-A-F-E-U-E-R.com.
Mia, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. That was Mia Foyer. She is an artist, a sculptor, an art professor, and as you heard from the little one yelling from time to time in the background of our interview, she's a parent, and I reached her via Skype at her home in Oakland, California. My next guest is Shelley Jackson. She and her husband maintain a backyard rink at their home in Gray County, Ontario. Shelley is a graphic designer and artist, and it's one of her photographs that greets you when you come to the Rink Talk homepage. Shelley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I guess I'm going to start with the question I ask most of my guests, which is, could you please tell me about your rink? Sure. Um, this will be our fourth year for a rink. Um, this year it is 24 by 40. Uh, our first rink was a fair bit smaller because my kid was a fair bit smaller. So now he's growing up and we've um, expanded our rink. Um, every year we've kind of, you know, added on to the rink, uh, made additions, uh, bigger liner or taller boards at the back and the sides, you know, as he could get his shot going a little bit better. And last year we added lights to uh, really extend the playing time since it gets so dark early here. But, um, you know, that's about it for the rink. It, it isn't too fancy. We don't go uh, too fancy with it. Just a rink and some boards and hope that it freezes. And uh, who uses the rink? So I have two kids. Um, both boys. Um, one is now seven, going to be eight, and then our youngest is four. So they're still pretty little. And do they play organized hockey? Um, my oldest is going into novice, and then my youngest is this will be his first year of organized hockey um, this coming fall here. So he's pretty excited. And as a parent, what do you think that your kids get out of having access to a backyard skating rink? Well, I definitely get some exercise out of it, that's for sure. Um, not just the skating, but all the shoveling. Um, but the main benefits have mostly just been, you know, for the kids. It's definitely benefited their skill level. Um, you know, practice, practice, practice. Um, but there's also just that the whole benefit is, you know, get outside, get some fresh air, get off the screens, you know, every day when uh, my oldest was getting off the bus, he every day he got off, he said, Mom, can we go on the rink? And, um, you know, that's that's what it's all for right there. Now, how about yourself? Did you grow up in a family with a rink? Is it something that's been passed down from generation to generation? Or is this something you sort of took the initiative on your own? Definitely just on our own. I wish I would have had a rink. You know, when I grew up, there wasn't much for girls hockey and I didn't play with the boys. So it's always been a sport that I absolutely loved. My aunt worked for the Maple Leafs actually for 52 years. So hockey is in our blood, but I didn't play it. I wish that I did. So of course, then I wanted to introduce my kids to it as soon as possible. And I am living vicariously through them as they skate around. I, they are definitely better skaters than me out there, but I am improving. It's, you, uh, it's never too late to learn, I guess. 
Well, if you just sort of, you know, you didn't grow up with your own rink, how did you learn? Did, did you pick up a book or how did you learn to make a rink? Did you just try through trial and error? How did it go? There definitely is a lot of trial and error. That's, um, you know, this is our fourth year and every single year we learn what to do and what not to do. There has been a huge, fantastic, wonderfully welcoming online community of rink builders on social media, Twitter and Facebook that um, when you have a problem, they are right there for advice for you. One of our biggest challenges here, uh, we live right in between Lake Huron and Georgian Bay. So our huge challenge here is lake effect snow. We get so much snow that it really causes a lot of problems. So, you know, you find out that, you know, if it snows a foot overnight, even though it's below zero, that can melt your ice underneath because it just acts like such a blanket. These are things that we had no idea um, going into it, but you learn as you go. And there's a really great online community of ODR builders out there that um, are, are there to help you. And so have you got any tips that you've learned in terms of what's the best way to get all that snow off of your ice surface? Um, you know, you do a lot of shoveling from the sides and get as much off if you, as you can if it's not completely frozen. But as it snows, if you can walk on it, get it off, that's for sure. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your career as well. You're a graphic designer. What, uh, what is your inspiration for your work? Well, um, the reason actually that we live where we do in the middle of nowhere in Gray County is because it is absolutely gorgeous here. So, you know, anytime you open a door and you just step outside, there is all kinds of inspiration for you. Now, the other advantage is that the way the Internet is now, I can work from home. I can be there when my kids get off the bus and I can be there to shovel the rink if it's snowing or if there's a clear spell I can you know manipulate my schedule or have the flexibility to go and flood the rink if there's a time in between squalls so working from home as a designer has definitely allowed us to have a rink because if I worked outside from of home I don't know if we could do it and I've seen your your pictures that you've taken and shared on uh, on the rink watch uh, Facebook page of, of pictures of your rink and kids skating on it and so on um, you know, can you tell me a little bit about how you go about, how you go about uh, putting together these images? I am not a professional photographer, but I definitely enjoy it a great deal as a hobby. So, and I do use photography a lot for my work. So, um, I am a bit handy with a camera, and I really enjoy taking those pictures. The other thing I enjoy about photography is I really try to document our time as a family, and you know, these years with young kids goes by so fast that I really do try to take as many pictures as possible and and document that time because, you know, a picture does help jog a memory um, down the road. So, um, you know, when you have good lights and you have that sun is peeking out and there's a couple snowflakes falling down and the sun's going down, um, yeah, I want to get out there and have my camera taking pictures of my kids practicing on the backyard rink. It's it is a magical time. And, you know, I think that there's something in your photographs that, that you shared your artwork about, you know, the backyard rink that it speaks to something. And I'm not sure what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe you can help me. But when I look at that, I go, oh, yeah, you know, that's just that's just perfect. That scene or that that imagery. 
um, it must be pushing some sort of a button in me as a Canadian or someone who grew up in a winter climate. Um, what, what would be your take on, on how I react or how other people react to that kind of artwork? Well, that makes me feel good that I can kind of get that across because, you know, when you pause there and you watch your kids on the backyard rink skating at sunset or just, you know, on a gray day, um, it is the Canadiana. It is hometown hockey it is you know that nostalgia of time going by with kids in winter in Canada and I I like to capture it and I just love that my kids want to be out there and part of you know the whole joy of it is that we get to experience this with them outside and it, it definitely helps pass the long Canadian winters here and it makes it a lot of fun. So imagine that there's somebody listening to this podcast right now and they're thinking, hey, Shelley's inspiring me to build my own backyard rink. Can you give a, a, you know, having started from scratch yourself in terms of expertise, can you, you know, suggest one or two things that a, a novice rink maker should take into account before they get going? Definitely. Um, do You will get frustrated. It is a lot of work and there's a lot of things that go wrong. You're never, ever going to have perfect ice all the time. Um, and that's actually one of the other benefits for my son is that the ice is never always perfect. So there's little bumps here and there, and it has really made him a lot better skater because he stays on, he's learned to adapt to that and stay on his feet. But the most important thing is to get your ground level. Now, ours is not. Uh, we live on a bit of a hill. We're probably out from one end to the other over 10 inches. But what we do to um, adjust to that is we use stuff like um, insulated styrofoam, like styrofoam insulation, or and we just put shims and, you know, put a higher boards on that lower side. Um, and then work to get that level. Get your boards level, and then, you know, the rink will fill in. You're going to definitely have deeper pockets here and there, which isn't ideal for freezing or unfreezing, but... You know, we make the most of what we have, and unless you want to just build a dedicated level area, that'll save you a lot of headaches. But, you know, it is part of it, and working through the trial and error, and, yeah, just get that snow off um, when you can and, and have it level, and then uh, have fun. I think the, old, the whole idea of having fun, really, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, isn't it? For sure. You know, um having the rink has definitely benefited, you know, my oldest skill, my oldest, his skill level, you know, there's a couple days where we were just practicing, um, just a one move, like where you fake on a forehand when you're coming in on the goalie, do a backhand forehand, backhand. And, you know, he just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And then, you know, he started to get air on it and get it up in the top corner, you know, and at six or seven years old, you know, that's fun for him. And then for us to see that translate into a game, and he had uh, the game winner on a breakaway. He did forehand, backhand, and it went right top cheddar. And the smile on his face was um, was pretty awesome. And when all of the work, like it's a lot of work, but when you see your kids smiling and having fun like that, it's all worth it. I take it then that you're going to be building a rink again this winter? For sure we will be. Um, now that my youngest is now four, he really turned turned it on there the last half of the season last year. And he will be, you know, just starting out in initiation this year. So 
Um, the more ice time, the better. And he's really coming along into love in hockey. And it's, it's great to see them love a sport. Anyone who's interested in seeing some of your artwork and graphic design work, how would they do so? Um, since I've still had little kids at home, I don't have, haven't had time to work on a website. So maybe that's a project for this winter. But you can check me out on Facebook, which is Shelley Jackson Design. Shelley Jackson, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Uh, thanks for having me. That was my interview with Shelley Jackson. She is a graphic designer, a parent, and a backyard rink enthusiast from Gray County, Ontario. I reached her via Skype. just about does it for the podcast i'd like to thank mia foyer and shelly jackson for joining me i'd also like to thank keenan reimer watts and clarissa webb for the beautiful music we've been listening to and i'd like to thank you for joining us as well if you liked what you heard please like us on itunes or wherever you download your podcast from because it helps hope to see you again for a future episode real soon